a wise man builds his life on Jesus' instructions, like a house built on a solid foundation. By tuning in today, you are pouring into your life. This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Take out your notes that you received when you walked in. Some of you uh, wanted to say a little bit more at the end of that prayer, didn't you? How many of you wanted to say something else? You wanted, There's something else, right? All right. Well, for thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever. Amen. Right? That's, that's how that ends, right? 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 Because that's what you grew up doing in your church tradition. Um, and that is a little bit that was tagged on probably somewhere around the, the end of the first or the second century. just became a part of our tradition. But if you look in Matthew and you look in Luke, um, it's not there. And you're like, well, can't we still say this? Yeah, you can still say it. But I just want us to at least start getting the part in the Bible that's right. Um, I'm what you call an originalist. Have you heard that term this week? An originalist? Did you hear that? You guys didn't watch any of the confirmation hearings of Judge Amy Barrett, uh, a nomination from President Trump to the Supreme Court. She was before the Judiciary Committee of the Senate this week. And one of the things that she said, I'm an originalist. I, what does the Constitution say? What did it say? What has it said? And that's what, that's what my responsibility is, is to hold us to that. Did you stop and reflect, whether you watched it or not, that you had the opportunity to actually watch it? You had the opportunity, we had the opportunity to peer behind the veil into how our government functions. Because of uh, organizations like C-SPAN, in 1977, 1978, started placing cameras inside of uh, our branches of government. So you could see the House floor, that you could see the discussions in the Senate. You could see presidings in, in the Supreme Court. That's a new thing. For the majority of history, most human beings could not see what their government was doing. Did not have immediate access to it. We're not able to peel behind the veil and see what was going on behind the decision, what the decision makers were doing that has an influence on your life. That's pretty neat if you stop to think about it. You might not like what you see, but you still get a chance to see it. John wrote a book in the Bible called The Revelation, or what we call the Apocalypse. In that by which... John lets us see into things that our physical eye can't see. Like a telescope is able to look up into the heavens and bring the heavens down to earth. To let us peer into things that are there, but we just aren't able to see on our own. Like a telescope. John has written this book called The Revelation. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Where he lets us see behind the veil into things that are happening are happening, are about to happen, that we couldn't see without it. And so for six weeks, we've been kind of on this journey. And this week we come to what I would consider and what some consider the greatest two chapters in the entire Bible. The most amazing chapters of the Bible, Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. 
Before this, we were hearing about some letters to churches and how those churches weren't doing very well. And now we really kind of get into the formal part of what's going on, the vision as John wants us to see it. So I'd encourage you to take out your notes and take out your Bible. If you're a guest, thank you for being with us. Does everyone's notes have the message guide? Some of them uh, didn't have them inside. We were prepping these on Thursday and some snuck by us because they're sneaky, these little notes. But everyone have a little insert? If not, we'll make sure that you get one. Thank you so much. It kind of helps some of us stay awake as I droll on together. Yeah, you laugh, but I watch you. Revelation 4 and Revelation 5 is what we're going to be looking at. I take a telescope and I am down here on earth and I look up into the heavens and the telescope brings heaven down to earth so that I can see the greater reality that's around me. And that echoes what Jesus said he wanted us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth, as it is in the heaven space, in your space. And that's really the question that we want to wrestle with this morning. How, do, how does that happen? How do, we, how do we participate and experience on earth what is in heaven? So if you have your notes, there's a circle towards the bottom left. And maybe in there, write that question. On earth as it is in heaven? How does that happen? On earth as it is in heaven. That bottom circle. How do I bring more of God's space into my space? How do I bring more of what God is doing and God's way of being and God's love and his grace? How do I bring all that is God and how do I get more of that into my space, my chunk of earth, where I am and what I'm going through? How many of you would like more of God in your space? going through what you're going through and doing what you're doing. I could use some more God, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, John's going to help us do that. That's what he's going to show us. So I'm going to start off in, in Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to work through 4 and 5. And I'll make some observations if you've never been with me before. But right from the beginning in Revelation 4 verse 1, John writes this. After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. The voice which I'd heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, I will show you what must take place after this. John is shown a vision of a door. And through that door, he sees from his space, from earth into heaven. Okay, he doesn't look up into the skies and he doesn't see chubby cherubs on clouds playing pretty harps. He's looking to, when the Bible uses the word heaven, it's referring to God's space, the reality in which God dwells. So we kind of need to push away from some of that uh, geographical, heaven's down, God, earth is down here and heaven is up there. What John is saying, these realities exist at the same time, in the same, in the same moment of time. And, and he's given a door, and maybe in your imagination, you can see this door opening up, and he's peering through this door into something that is now, 
and this door is enabling him to see. And what does he see? I'm going to read from verse 2 all the way through the end of the chapter, and then I'm going to make some observations. What I want you to see is what do you think John wants us to focus on? I want to try not to give it away in how I read it, which is really hard for me. But can you see, as we go through this, what do you think John wants us to zero in on? At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which were the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion and the second living creature like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man and the fourth living creature like the eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. John wants us to focus on one thing. What is it? The, say it, throne, right? What did he, he, 14 times in 11 verses, he uses one word. What was it? Throne. Did you hear it? I tried real hard because I, I, I had this habit of accenting, like when I want you guys to see something. Listen. I'm just going to start, just, just, just listen, close your eyes. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper around the throne, around the throne, thrones from the throne came before the throne was, before the throne, again and again and again and again. What, do you, what does John want you to see? A throne. I saw from my space into God's space and what I saw was a throne. Yeah, there's a lot of things that's going on in there, and sometimes we like to focus on the other stuff that's going on in there, but he says, what I saw and what everyone was focused on and what everything centered on was a throne. And notice, he never gives a name. He has too much reverence and awe for the one on the throne. And he tries to describe it. I mean, here's a mental exercise I did this with Jackson a couple of days ago. Uh, we were going through spelling words and we were going over uh, his lesson over in the blasting zone. They were talking about forgiveness. And I said, hey, Jackson, give me a definition of forgiveness. He says, uh, to forgive? <laughs> right, because it's one of those things like, how do you put that one in words? 
He looks upon the throne and John sees the one. And the only thing that he can think of is it's like, it's, it was kind of like looking at Jasper and, and Carnelian. If you're like, I don't know what Jasper and Carnelian is. Like, I know I'm supposed to buy my wife a diamond. That's about as far as you get from me. Jasper is crystal, okay? It's a high-polished crystal. And Carnelian, if you hold Carnelian in your hand, it, it has a, a glowing red to it. So he says, I looked up there and it was like, it was, it was... A, Bright crystal and fiery red. There's this majestic one, this holy one that was seated upon the throne. And I looked around and there were other little thrones gathered around. As, and this is 24. And I know people can go back and forth on, on what are the 24 who are seated around him. Okay, um, For me, what I would encourage you to see is that 24 is 12 and 12. Okay? You've got the 12 tribes, which is the people of Israel, the redeemed of Israel, God's children of Israel. You have the 12 apostles, which is the redeemed, the church. You have God's people gathered around there. And there are bolts of lightning and there is thunder. This is, this is the presence of the one and he says, and then I saw these living creatures. What's that all about? They had eyes all over them. Well, remember, we're talking about apocalypse, so this is symbolic language here. Here are things that are ever watchful, ever present, like a lion, the noblest of God's creation, like an ox, the strongest of God's creation. One looks like a human, the wisest of God's creation. One like an eagle, the swiftest of God's creation. And again, theologians go back and forth. What, what, what are we talking about here? Are these angelic beings? Well, John does kind of tip his hand when he's talking about angels. He'll use the word angels. Okay, so let, let John do that. But later in the book, he talks about earth and its four corners. Here are four living creatures that are presented in earthly creaturely ways, each representing big parts of the created order. So I think what John is saying is, is here around this throne are the redeemed and God's creation is crying out and worshiping him. Isn't that interesting? God's creation gives him praise. Worthy and holy and wonderful. And he's blown away by all these layers that are coming before him. The 24, uh, the living creatures praise him. Holy, holy, holy. The 24 take off their crowns and, and, and give him praise. Worthy is the one to receive glory, honor, and power. What does John want us to see and understand about the throne? And if you take out your notes, I think this is key. Okay, Here we are in our space. We're looking up through that doorway and he sees a throne. But it's not just a throne. It's who is on the throne. And in the circle next to the throne, maybe you can write this down. It is our Lord and God, the creator. Our Lord and God, the creator. Verse 11 of chapter 4. This is the song, uh, the, the saying that the 24 elders pick up, the redeemed, all of God's people. They say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. 
This entire space that John is being shown, is being manifest to him, is centering upon a throne. And the song that everyone is singing is that you are our Lord and God, the one who created all things. First, you need to understand, this is a political dig on John's part. Domitian, who's the emperor at the time, liked to call himself the one who is our Lord and God. That's kind of like his slogan. That's how he liked to be referred to. Domitian, our Lord and God. And so John grabs that. He takes a hold of that. And God reveals himself to be recognized as the one who is our Lord and God. John's making a political statement. That's, it's like if, if John had taken the political slogans of the presidential candidates right now. No. What's Biden on Biden's is build back better. That's what Biden is, 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 has on, his, on his, his slogans. John appears through, and what does he hear? Everyone saying, build back best. You're like, wait a second. I think God's digging on Biden a little bit. Or you take Trump's slogan. What's Trump's slogan right now? Do you remember? Keep America great, right? John were to appear through the doorway, and all the angels are singing, made everything great. I'm like, wait a second. I think God's saying something. I think, I think the angelic order is saying something. I think in heaven's space, God is making a statement. He is not at the whim and the endorsement of, of the political powers that be, the emperor that is. God is the underminer of all those powers. He's the overrider of all of those powers. God is on the throne, not Domitian, not the emperor. God is on the throne, not the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, not the president. He is the one who rules and reigns. You are our Lord and God. You are our sustainer. You are our keeper. You are our builder. You are our creator. The 24 elders in verse 11 give us the why behind our worship. Why is God worthy to be praised? Verse 11, if you look at it again, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. Why? For you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. Everything is in your hands, Lord God. Everything is kept by you, ordered by you, sustained by you. It's not in the president's hands. It's not in the CDC's hands. It's not in the WHO's hands. It's not in the governor's hands. It's not in the mayor's hands. It's not, it's not in Corona's hands. It's not even in my hands. It's not in your hands. In whose hand is everything? Our Lord and God. This is crucial for a, a prophet longing to minister to his people who's been imprisoned. This is crucial for a people in small churches scattered throughout the known Roman Empire who do not have power and influence, who are sometimes being persecuted and hunted and harmed, to know that it's not these guys in charge. It's the one who's in charge, who's created all things. 
And specifically, John sees something in the one's hands. In Revelation 5, verse 1, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? No one in heaven and on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. In antiquity, archaeologists have found scrolls that have seven seals on it. And upon research and opening it up, what they find is that they are deeds and people's will and testaments. The deed to a property would be sealed with seven seals. Someone's last will and testament would be sealed with seven seals. So here's the one who sits upon the throne, and in his hand is the deed to the created order. Here is his will for the created order. What is to happen? What is to right the wrong? What's to fix it? In his hand is the solution. And John's like, well, someone get it, please? Because I, I look in my space and it's a hot mess. Could someone please grab the scroll? And open that up. That's God's will and purpose for my life. That's God's will and purpose for, for what's going on around me. Whoever has the scroll has the right and the responsibility and the authority for that which is contained in the scroll. So if you can imagine, in your imagination, here is the one upon the throne and he's holding the scroll. Here it is. Here is how to get my space into your space. Here's to correct the wrongs. Here's to make it right. The 24 elders are all looking at each other like, I, I can't touch it. Living creatures are all looking at each other. I can't touch it. You go, to, I can't, I can't do it. I, I can't. This angel is praying, who can take it? Who will take it? Who can make it right? And no one can touch it. So John weeps. I think maybe you know what it's like to weep like that. To look at your space and it is all of hell, hell on earth. Who's going to fix this? You look at your marriage. Who's going to fix this? The kid gets sick. Who can make this right? What happens at work? What happens in family? You look at the news. You read the paper. Who can fix it? And so John collapses and he weeps. Anyone here wept like that before? You wept like that before?
And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then in verse 5, one of the elders said to me, one of God's redeemed, weep no more. Can you say that with me? Weep no more. Say that again. Weep no more. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that God's entire unfolding purpose throughout Scripture? Weep no more. Weep no more. You don't need to weep anymore. Why? Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. He can open the scroll and its seven seals. Here, here's John. He's on his knees, and you can imagine. He's just like this glazed donut of snot, right? You've been, you've wept that, if you've done that kind of weeping, where it's just, it's just all over the place. You're like, and just the tears are everywhere, and it's red, and you're just going at it. And all of a sudden, hey, 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 hey. Behold, the lion has come. Then you're like, lion, like when you lion, the king, right? King of all kings, the ruler, the reigner. Again, John is sticking it to Rome. Because the symbol of Rome was the eagle. The eagle goes over everything, and the eagle protects, and the eagle rules, and the eagle reigns. And John's saying, it's not the eagle. It's the lion. The lion has come. The lion has conquered. Not the eagle, not the elephant, not the donkey, or whatever animal you want. The lion has come, and it is the ruler. It is the sustainer. He has, has conquered. Not will conquer, he has conquered. And so John's all excited, right? He's like, awesome. He brushed himself off. He's ready to turn around and look at the lion and what does he see? What does he see? And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb? Standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. He, he, he's told that he's going to see a lion, and he turns and he gets a lamb. He's looking for roar, and he gets mad. What is John saying? What is John saying? Because he is a lion. How does the lion conquer? Like a lamb, he lays down his life. Like the Passover lamb. The blood of the Passover lamb that allowed Israel to be free from the bondage of Egypt. Like the great Passover lamb that was sacrificed upon the cross on Calvary's hill. That would set all of us free. And he says, I see him, the one who is wounded, the one who has been killed, the one who has laid down his life. The one who saves through conquering, sacrificial, gracious love. Who does John see? Who can take it back? It is Jesus. And where is he? If you look at this, tell you what, verse four, verse five and verse six, where is the lamb? 
He's between the throne and the living creatures. He is amongst God's people. Seven horns, because he rules and reigns. Seven eyes, because he sees all things. He sees your space. He sees your hot mess. I love that Ohio term. That's one that you guys taught me five years ago. God sees my hot mess, and he has the authority to rule. He can take the scroll into my hot mess. So imagine what happens. It's quiet. Everyone's looking, who can take it? Who can take it? And all of a sudden, there appears the one who can take it. And Jesus steps towards the throne. He reaches out his hand and he grabs it. And the place goes nuts. Can you hear it? I mean, can you imagine? Here is the pinnacle moment when all of the hell on earth falls in submission. Here's the chaos of our reality. And Jesus reaches up and he takes the throne. He takes the, the scroll and says, that's mine. And the place goes nuts. Let's read it together. Would you guys stand with me? Stand with me. I'm going to read us up to this point, and then we're going to read in verse 9 together. This is starting in verse 7. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense with the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Read it with me. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Then I'll keep reading. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the voices of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the... Stop. It's a loud voice, and there's lots of them. So let's see if we can't match. I've seen some of you guys watch football games, and I've seen how some of you talk to your kids. So ready? With a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them saying, together, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, all together, amen. Do that again, ready? Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Stay standing. Who changed the song? 
he grabs the scroll and it says, they began to sing a new song. Who let you sing a new song? Jesus. Let's remain standing.
where did you feel it? Did you feel it here? Could you feel it here? Oh, you found the door. You, you found that doorway. That, 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 that pounding, that yearning, that longing, that this is wrong here. My space is messed up. Be seated. And John peers through the door and the lion and the lamb. And your notes right in the center next to that door. Who is worthy? Jesus, the lion and the lamb. Jesus, the lion and the lamb. How do we keep breaking heaven into earth? How do we keep experiencing and seeing and living in his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? I want to make three suggestions in the bottom of your notes. How to break the one into the other. The first one is, let's reflect upon the throne more and more in our life. Let's make a habit of reflecting upon the throne again and again and again and again. What did John say throughout that, four, that chapter? Chapter four, I looked and I saw a throne and around the throne and before the throne. And who's on the throne? The one who is our Lord and God, who is creator of all things. In the midst of the hell on earth, whatever might happen in November, whatever might happen in the polls, whatever might happen at work, whatever might happen in the hospital, whatever might happen in my marriage, on the throne is the Lord our God. He's the creator of all things, right? Amen. Make a habit of getting into creation and reflecting upon your creator. God, he made that. That's incredible. God, you made that. That's the sun came up. Holy cow, how did you do that? That was nuts this morning. Did you guys see it? Holy cow, it was dark and it was yucky and it was bland and then... And for God, that's just a wink. It's like, gotcha. Gotcha. Reflecting upon. For you created all things. Chapter 4, verse 11. Second thing. Busting earth into heaven. Worshiping the lion and the lamb. Worshiping the lion and the lamb. I'm going to say something that is going to poke you a little bit. Okay? I'm just, I need you to be ready, and I need to prep my wife. We have a habit of worshiping ourselves when we come to church and not worshiping Jesus. That's not true. Sure it is. Sure it is. I have a reputation for singing loudly. Right? Right? You guys know that about me. I like to belt it out. Okay. I know because I'm singing, you'll be like, who is that? Tell him to be quiet. I just, it's this thing. I, like to, I, I want to make sure that God can hear me. I want to make sure the angels can hear me. I want to make sure that everyone around me knows that it's all about him. Okay? And you might be like, well, I just, I don't, you know, I'm not a loud singer. I need you to dissect that a little bit. I need you to take that one apart. 
What you're saying is in this worship corporate moment, what are you concerned about? If we're not concerned about how well we sound, if we're not concerned about how well we sing, if our only focus is lifting up the one who is, then my suggestion is we might let it rip a little bit louder on Sunday mornings. I know some of it's cultural. You know, Western Ohio, we're kind of like, a little bit like Western Pennsylvania, we're kind of like, but did you see what's happening in four and five of chapter four and five? What are they doing? They are worshiping loudly. They are reading loudly. They are singing loudly. Because who are they worshiping? They're not worshiping themselves. They're doing what? They are taking off their crowns. Would you guys do that? Take your hands right here. Okay, right here. Here's your crown. No, your crown's not down here, Brian. The crown's up here. Okay, let's grab it, pick it up, set it down. Did you see how they did that in chapter four? Did you see that? They set off their crowns and they worshiped him. Worthy is the one to receive glory, honor, and power. For he has created all things. That's what we do on Sunday morning. And I, if you want to do that on Sunday morning, when you come down, I know sometimes the Catholics, will, before they sit down, they'll, they'll kneel a little bit. Protestants, we'll just take our crowns off. Okay, that's what we can do. We stand here. It's like, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to go. I have now submitted myself to the rule and reign and the priority of God. I am no longer in charge. I never was to begin with, right? I never was to begin with, but I'm going to worship the lion who is the king, the lamb who laid down his life. Both coming together, singing loudly, reading loudly, proclaiming loudly. It's one of the reasons we're starting to read the Lord's Prayer together, okay? Okay? That we get in the habit of vocalizing more together, okay? Does that make sense? I know you guys want me to move on. I got it. I got you. I, I hear you. I love you. I love you. He's, in, in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders fell down, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. These are the prayers of the saints. What are the creatures before the throne laying before the throne? the prayers and praise of the saints. So I guess, you ever seen that moment like after a Super Bowl game where the football team takes a big bucket of Gatorade and dumps it on the coach? You seen that? And you're like, that's awesome. That's cool, right? All right, can you imagine, instead of dumping a thing, they like brought up this little cup, like this little Dixie cup, like, hey, we won. <laughs> hey, we won. <laughs> Not really the same effect, is it? Is it? Okay, as far as I'm concerned, whenever the living creatures start pouring out my incense, I don't want it to be a Dixie cup. <laughs> I want a bucket of Gatorade on the throne. This is my praise and my prayer, my thanksgiving for all that he has done for me. It's not, <laughs> you are worthy of praise. You have brought me through. You have sustained. You have healed. You have helped. You have saved me. I don't want to be the rep. I don't want to have the rep when I get up there. Oh, you're the Dixie Cup guy, aren't you? <laughs> no. He's one of the Gatorade boys. Oh, yeah. Whenever the living creatures would bring up Paul's praise and Paul's prayer, yeah, God got drenched. I want to drench him with my praise.
Don't make me pass out Dixie cups on Sunday morning. <laughs> Worshiping, corporate worship. Thirdly, the faithful witness on earth. Faithful witness on earth. Again, this is what the book, this is the other side of the coin. If you take the book of Revelation, on the head, it's Jesus Christ. You flip the coin, it's the faithful endurance of the saints. It's how that we are to be faithful in our lives. It's a song that comes back again and again, a commandment that comes back again and again. How can I be faithful? In one of the songs, in chapter 5, verse 8, You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. They shall reign on earth. That's verse 10. You have made them. We are the kingdom. We are the priests. We have purpose here on earth. The priest is the one who stands in the doorway. One foot in heaven and one foot on earth. This was the presentation of Jesus in the beginning of the book. He shows up clothed as a priest. And he says, I have made priests stand in the doorway. You keep the door open. One foot in heaven, one foot on earth. You pour the praises of the people and the prayers of the people before the throne. You sing the glory of God wherever you go. You be a faithful witness in everything that you do. You're like, I'm not a priest. Oh, you're a priest. You're a priest. I'm a priest. Let's, let's be priestly. Let's bridge the gap. Let's break heaven into earth. Earth needs it. Amen? Earth needs it. Earth needs it. This week we remember 10 years ago uh, the Chilean mine collapse. You guys remember that? 10 years ago, 33 miners were trapped half a mile below ground for almost two months. It was a copper mine and they had been working and the mine shaft collapsed and the 33 of them slowly made their way to an emergency shelter that had been set up underneath ground should this situation ever occur. When they got there, they found a few days worth of supplies. A few days worth of supplies. Over the course of the next 17 days, things became very dark as they contemplated suicide, as they wrestled with the reality of, of cannibalism. But on August 22nd, what was above broke through into what was below. Could you imagine that moment? Here you are sealed in this rocky tomb when all of a sudden you hear the rumbling from above and it bursts through into your reality. And the song changes, doesn't it? The song changes. The drill came through and the miners sent a note up. This is what they said. We are fine in the refuge, the 33. Food started to come down. Supplies started to come down. Medicine started to come down. And all of it came to bear on the situation. All of earth came to bear on that situation that was below the rescuers began to widen that shaft so that on August 12th, they were able to send down the first of an emergency 
um, hoist that could begin to move them back and forth, the 33 below. It took 15 minutes to make the half mile journey from the pit below to the celebration above. Over the course of 24 hours, all 33 were rescued. The president of the country was there. All eyes from all over the world were there. Their families were there as they celebrated coming out into the air together. Jesus has already broken through to the rocky tomb below. And now we get to participate the rescue, the deliverance, of bringing the supplies back and forth, of delivering the, the, the moans and the prayers back and forth, of providing comfort and presence back and forth, and being a part of the celebration as one after another move from the rocky hell below into the heavenly reality above. So saints, the world needs us to endure. Let's read together. Ryan, could you bring up Revelation 4, verse 8? Let me set it up, and then we'll read it together. The artists, let's all read this. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, read it with me, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then, Ryan, could you bring up verse 11? Let's read 11 together, guys. All together, the way they read it in heaven. I'll just, I'll say that much. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Let's stand together. Jesus said there are two ways to build your life. A wise man builds his life on God's instructions, like a house on a strong foundation. For more teaching from this ministry, go to whoishouseontherock.com. If you don't have a church, please consider being our guest on a Sunday morning. Again, visit whoishouseontherock.com for more information.